Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right. Hope everybody's doing good today. Everybody doing good? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hope everybody's doing good today. I, um, Jeannie, it's so glad to see you here. She is a trooper. Y'all give it up for Jeannie. She's had surgery. Um, after she gets done with all these surgeries, we're going to call her the bionic woman. She's going to be like, how many pins and plates and everything? 15 screws, five metal plates, and a gazillion stitches, and bones fused together. And this is the first one, right? And you got one more just like this. So you're going to have like a dinette set of plates, right? It's going to be like, I thought it was funnier. I didn't get any laughs from this side. Thanks a lot, guys. Always got me. You would rather go through knee surgery again. I hear you. I hear you. I wish I'd have got the pictures. I'd have shown them your foot. Would that be, that'd have been kind of awkward, wouldn't it? <laughs> What's so funny, Don? You're supposed to be the supportive brother. I saw the pictures. Trust me. I was eating lunch, and I was like, ooh. <laughs> it looked really bad, didn't it? It really did. I like having conversations with individuals. No one else sitting around. It's kind of cool. Hey, Listen. I'm really excited about today, and the reason I'm excited about today is, is that I absolutely love, are you ready? I love court cases. Anyone who knows me knows that I love court cases. I love, like, watching court cases, and I love, I love Dateline NBC, even though the husband always does it. I love it. I don't care. You know, it's like, and you'll be surprised who the guy is. I'm like, no, actually, Keith Morrison, I'm not going to be surprised. I know who it is. It's the husband, of course. Um, But I love watching those. I love watching 48 Hours Mystery. Uh, I love the ID Network, right? Uh, There's a a show called Fear Thy Neighbor. And uh, it is, and it's really crazy because it is, it says Fear Thy Neighbor. And it's crazy because, um, because, and you know what's really funny? This is, this will show you how I am not clue. I'm kind of clueless. I literally, it was, I was today years old when I figured out that that was a playoff of love thy neighbor. I just was like, fear thy neighbor. Yeah. So I didn't really realize that it is. Um, I'm, Pastors that kill was the one I was going to bring up next. Wendy, I'm doing the message. You stay there. You've saying I'm doing the message. No, Pastors That Kill. There was an eight-part series called Pastors That Kill. And it was so funny, and, and uh, it was awesome, and I loved every bit of it. So, and every time, it was, it, was, it was always like some pastor that fell in love with a congregant and wanted to kill his wife. And, and here's what they always say that always blows my mind. They always say this. They always say, well, he knew it was against his religion to get a divorce, but it's okay to kill somebody, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, it's kind of crazy, kind of crazy. But I do love court cases. And I bet you guys love court cases too. And I'm so excited about the message today because today, today, we see that we are going to enter into a courtroom today. We do. In John chapter 5, we enter into a courtroom. But before we do that, 
I want to give a little, I've got, hold on. I've got one dollar. Crispy dollar bill. It'll go great into a drink machine. All right, be awesome. Crispy dollar bill. And I want to play a trivia game with you guys. And I want to show you how much I love court. And I want to see if you love court cases too. So whenever, I'm going to try to see if I can look in uh, both ways. Whenever you know what music this is from, I want you, no, don't shout it out. I just want you to raise your hand and I will call on you. And then you can, you can, actually I want you to stand up instead of raising your hand, okay? All right, sorry Jeannie, you're out. Uh, anyway, so, <laughs> um, anyway, Roy, get ready. Get ready, Roy. All right, are we ready back there in the back? All right, when I give you the cue, okay? First, I want to see who stands up. If you get it right, then I'll give you a dollar, a whole dollar. All right, go ahead. Oh, right here. Hold on a second. Andy Stinson. Perry Mason. Perry Mason. Ho dollar bill. I'm coming off the stage. For Perry Mason. So, all right, I got another one though, okay? And you guys stand up whenever you know. This is the last one, okay? But this, I will tell you, this is my favorite show, my all time favorite show. I love this show. It's so awesome. And this is a crispy dollar, and more people will know this one, okay? We ready? Go ahead. Forget you, Dan. Amanda. <laughs> Don't you love this? Yes. Me and Wendy, when we're sitting there watching it, I play the guitar, and she always does the boom, boom, dun, 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 dun. All right, that's enough. Law and order. That's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be looking at a court case today. I want to remind you where we're at. Why was the book of John written? Here's why it was written. Chapter 20, verse 31, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have what? Life. Believe and live. Believe and live. And it's not just life eternal. It's also life here and now, which I tell you every week is why he says in John 10, 10, he came that we would have life and have life to the abundance John 10, 10, by the power of his name, John 5, verses 16 through 47, I'm not going to do a regular reading like I usually do. I just want to go, I want to go through it and I want to teach as I go through it today. John, remember, I want to remind you what happened last week. Jesus has actually healed. He has healed a man. And when he healed the man, the man actually left and started, and, they, and the, the religious people came and said, hey, who, who healed you? And he was like, I don't know. And then Jesus found him in the temple and he said, hey, listen, you, you better, I've healed you. Stop sinning or worse, something worse will happen to you. That's what he said. Now stop sinning. To me, that tells me a lot. It tells me that more than likely this guy was in the situation he was in because of something he had done that was a sin, right? Right? And so... He says, or something worse will happen to you. And you would think having been healed, the guy would say, 
All right, that, that's great. And he would leave. No, he didn't do that. He actually went back to the religious people and said, guess what? I know who, I know who, who did this. I know who ended up healing me. And so that's where we said. And so the religious leaders got really angry. They got very angry because he had healed on the Sabbath and he had picked up his mat. The guy had picked up his mat on the Sabbath and then they began a discourse with Jesus. And this is an incredible discourse in your Bible. If you have a Bible that is a what, a, what a red letter Bible, you see there's a lot of red. There's a lot of red. And so I want to go, start going through this a little bit. It says, so the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, and I want to read this. My father is always working and so am I. My father is always working, and so am I. The first thing I want you to know is this, is that God is continually working. So what he's saying is this. He's saying, my father is always working, which would have been a huge thing because for him to say, that he was his father brings up a whole nother basket. My father's always working. And because my father has the authority to always work, even on the Sabbath, then I too also am always working. God is continually working. So Jesus says, I am continually working. God equals Jesus. Are you seeing that? That would have really made them angry. Here's what I want you guys to know. Back then, and I believe it now too, but back then they had a strong emphasis that God was the sustainer of all things. They believed it very, very, very strongly that every single thing that happened, that God was the sustainer of all things. They, think, they, they, they realized that he sustained the world that he had created. God did that. They realized that he sustained the stars and the moon and the sun. They realized that he sustained our very lives. They realized that he sustained our very breath. And that there wasn't a time, because he was the sustainer, there wasn't a time when God was not working. So Jesus, he says... God is always working. And they were like, yeah, I know. And they, he said, but so am I. And that would have been a big deal to them. As a matter of fact, it would be worthy of death as far as they're concerned to compare yourself or to put yourself on the same line as God. And so what Jesus does is he starts out. They come and they accuse him. And he is the defendant and he starts out building the case. And the first thing he says is, is that God is always working. And so am I. Now, what does this mean? I always tell you to ask, you know, what does it say about God? What does it say about me? And what am I going to do about it? Well, what it says about God is, is that he really is always working. That's what it says about God. What it says about you is, is that you should feel great comfort in the fact that God is always working. 
He's always working. Have you guys ever had a situation where you felt like, you know what, man? I think my prayers are just hitting the ceiling. Or, you know, I've been praying about this for so, so, so long. Yet, I haven't seen any movement. I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anything happen. Guys, listen, whether you know it or not, God is always working. And there's times when you may feel like God's forgotten you. There's times when you may feel like that he has, he has moved on and that you're going to have to just deal with the situation forever. That there never will become an answer. But here's what I want you to know. That God is always working. Y'all listen, unlike us, God doesn't take vacation. He doesn't. He doesn't need a lunch break. He really doesn't. He doesn't need a lunch break. And I want to tell you something. He's always working on your behalf. One of the stories I think about, when I, and I've shared this with you guys briefly before, but one of the things I always think about when I think about God always working is, is just the way, and they came down yesterday, so it was fresh on my mind, just the way that we became adoptive parents to my daughter, Bailey. You know, Bailey was at a children's home. Wendy and I were working at a children's home in Tennessee. She was at a children's home here. And then we ended up moving down here for student ministry. That children's home just so happened to go to that church. And then, but here's the crazy part. The crazy part is, is that they really, they, they had looked over all the resumes and they were going to hire a different youth pastor. And, and that person lost by one vote. And my daughter voted against him because she didn't like the way he talked which is crazy, but she voted against him. And I think that was God ordained. Not that the dude didn't get a job, but you know, I think, it, I think God was watching over her. And then I see, I see how he's watched over her and we got here and we met and then we started having, you know, a, a, a close knit relationship. Uh, Wendy and I did and Blake with, with Bailey. And then all of a sudden we went into the adoption process and I, I cannot tell you how many times how many situations, you know, I, I'll tell you of a situation where Bailey, Bailey's name, her, 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 her given name was actually Billy Lee. Billy Lee uh, Crusade Coger was her name. Um, yep, that was her name. And she hated it. She hated her name. And the court said, uh, I'm sorry, we don't allow you to change the kids' names. And I said, well, I'm not asking. She is. And they said, well, we're not going to do that. And I said, no, no, I think you're going to do it. And they were like, no, we, we will not do that. I said, listen, I want you to understand something. You can do it now or I'm just going to literally the next day go and I'm going to have it done. So we can do this your way or we can do it my way, but it's getting done. And so a lot of people don't know this, but the reason, the reason she chose Bailey was because Bailey is very similar to Billy Lee. It's almost got the, she wanted to get something close, but she wanted a girl's name. And so she actually chose her own name. But it was a situation where everything kind of fell into place because we wanted things to happen in this way or that way. And we thought, okay, well, this is how it's going to go. But here's the truth about God. And I want you to hear this. You may have an idea of how you think it's going to go, but God oftentimes has a greater idea of how it's going to go. And here's what I have learned about God. When I trust him, when I trust God, I get better than I ever thought I was going to get. You know what I mean? 
I really do. I get better than I thought I was going to get. Oftentimes what I've realized is, is that God oftentimes wants better for me than I realized. And I try to lowball God and he's like, no, no, we're not doing that. We're going to be up here. You know, the Old Testament says that God's ways are not our ways, that his ways are higher. And I want you to be encouraged that God is always, he's always at work in your life. He's always at work in your life. I want to go on and read verse 18. It says, so the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, but he called God his father, thereby making himself, here it is, equal with God. And so then Jesus says this. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished for just as the father gives life to those he raises from the dead. So the son gives life to anyone he wants. In addition, the father judges no one. Instead, he has given the son absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the son just as they honor the father. Anyone who does not honor the son is certainly not honoring the father who sent him. That would have really made them angry, by the way. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God, who sent me have eternal life, they will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And I assure you that the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. The Father has life in himself, and he has granted the same life-giving power to his Son. And he, because, because he is Son of Man, don't be, uh, don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming will all, uh, where all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's uh, Son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have continued the evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. And I say to you, wow. That would have thrown the religious people into a crazy fit. Are you with me? They would have been in a tizzy because Jesus has now made himself equal with God. And he says this. He says, I only do what I only do what I see my father doing. I'm a reflection of that. And it made me think of something as I was studying this. It made me think of a press secretary. You know, a press secretary is who comes out, they come out and they literally, they're not the person. Are you with me? They're not the person. They're the press secretary. And the press secretary is a representative of the individual or the company that they represent. So let's say the president. The president gives direction on what needs to be said and then the press secretary comes out and here's the key. When she or he is behind the podium, they are speaking for the one in charge. They're speaking for the president. And so they take questions 
And when they take questions, they answer the questions, not necessarily how they would answer, but they are a reflection of the president. And so when he or she is answering the question, she answers or he answers the question the exact way the president would want them answered. Oftentimes in press secretary pools now, I'm kind of a nerd. I watch those things sometimes. They, she, she, has, she or he has a book and they'll flip through. They'll be answered, oh, this is what the president wants to say on this issue. And she'll oftentimes hear, they'll read it. They'll read what the president wants to say. For a company, the same thing happens. You have a press secretary or, or someone who comes out and who, who does who does. PR for the company, and they will be the representative for that company. And that's kind of what Jesus is saying here. He's saying this. He's saying, I want you to understand something. When God speaks, I speak. When God says heal, then like the Father, I'm going to do that. Jesus proclaims that he heals like the Father, he judges like the Father, and he has power like the Father. But here's the key, here's the key. There's a key difference between the press secretary and what Jesus is saying. And what is the difference? It's this. Jesus is a spokesman for God. But a spokesman is only the voice. I want you to catch this. A spokesman is only the voice of what God wants to say or what the president wants to say. A, a spokesman could come out and make proclamations all day long. Any spokesman come, yeah, here's what's happening. Here's what we're going to do. But here's the key. Unless the president signs off on what the spokesman says, the spokesman's words are worthless. There is no what? There is no power there. Because, see, the spokesman doesn't hold the power. The president holds the power. Jesus not only is God's spokesman, but he is greater because Jesus has the power. I want you to hear that. He has the power, and this is what he's saying to him. He's building his case. He's saying, Listen, I have the power to heal. I have, I'm not only the spokesman. I have the power to judge. And I have the power of life over death. God and Jesus are equal. There's something that he points out in verse 20, chapter 5 and verse 20, when he says this. He says, and this is really cool. He says, for the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works in healing this man. You guys know what he's talking about there? Let me help you. The greatest, one of the greatest miracles ever performed in the history of the world was the raising of Lazarus. And Jesus here is foreshadowing the raising of Lazarus that will happen later on. As we, and we're going to go over that as we see the raising of Lazarus. And so Jesus is telling him this. He's saying, listen, I understand that you may be angry with me that I, I healed this man. And I'm just doing what the Father told me. But I want you to know I have the power to heal. I have the power to judge. Okay? I have that power. And I not only have that power, I have the power to raise people from the dead. And I want you to know you're going to see greater things in the coming days. 
And he was foreshadowing the fact that he would literally walk up, roll the stone away, and say, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus would loose his grave clothes and he would walk out a living man when he went in dead. And he was showing them the power that he had. He's not just a spokesman because a spokesman has no power. He has the power and he is building out this case that he has the power. Why does he have the power? He'll tell you because Jesus equals God. And the courtroom is now set. The, the religious people have accused him and accused him and accused him and they've made their case. They've made their case. They've said, listen, you can't do this. You can't do that. The Old Testament says this. The Pentateuch says that. You can't do this. This is against the, the Sabbath. He can't pick up his mat. You can't heal. And Jesus says, hey, listen, I want you to understand something. I can't and here's why. And so, and here's what they say, and you're going to see this, but he says, hey, listen, if you can, then where are your witnesses? Where's your witnesses? Bring your witnesses forward. Show why you have this power. Tell me why you have this power. And Jesus, being the defense attorney, stands up and says, I'm glad you asked. I will represent myself, and here we go. The third thing I want you to know is that Jesus calls his witnesses Starting in verse 31, it says, If I were to testify on my own behalf, my testimony would not be valid. But someone else is also testifying about me. And I assure you that everything he says <clears throat> about me is true. In fact, you send investigators to listen to John the Baptist. And his testimony about me was true. Of course, I have no need of human witnesses, but I say these things so that you might be saved. John was like a burning and shining lamp and you were excited for a while about his message. But I have, greater, I have a greater witness than John, my teaching and my miracles. The Father gave me these works to accomplish and they proved that he sent me. And the Father who sent me has testified about me himself. You have never heard his voice or seen his face to face and you do not uh, you do not have his message in your hearts because you do not believe me. The one who sent me. Here you go. You search that you search the scriptures because you think they gave you they give you eternal life. But here it is. The scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Your approval means nothing to me because I know you don't have God's love within you. For I've come to you in my father's name and you have rejected me. Yet if others come in their own name, you gladly welcome them. No wonder you can't believe for you gladly honor each other, but you don't care about the honor that comes from the one who alone, here it is, is God. Yet it isn't I who will accuse you before the father, Moses, and they really thought a lot of Moses, Moses, you would, hold on, where am I? If, if you really believe Moses, you would believe me because he wrote about me. But since you don't believe me, what he wrote, since you don't believe what he wrote, how will you believe what I say? Jesus, in that passage, called five witnesses. And the first thing he did is he says, uh, I want to bring to the stand John the Baptist. Let me bring to the stand John the Baptist. 
What about John the Baptist? Well, John the Baptist was the voice that was crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. In John 1, chapter 6 and 7, verses 6 and 7, here's what it says. I think we have that. It says, God sent a man named John the Baptist to tell everyone about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. And is, is that, it's, there's more, right? There's not more? I thought there were more, maybe. Yeah, okay, okay. John the Baptist was a witness to, to the light. And he says this. He says, I want you to understand this man has been sent because he is a light. And so John the Baptist, who they really thought a lot of, John the Baptist would be a, a testimony. I want to continue on. John himself was not the light. I want to, starting in verse 8, because I meant to put more. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. That's what John the Baptist did. And Jesus says, John the Baptist testified about me. He proclaimed who I was. He witnessed and testified that I am the Messiah. And then Jesus would, wait a minute, let's go to John chapter 1 verse 29. John chapter 1 verse 29. What did he say about me there? Let me tell you what he said. He said, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus says, you want witnesses? Here's a witness. John the Baptist is my first witness. You guys went out and you were excited about his message at first. You were excited at first. John the Baptist testifies about me. But John the Baptist is not the only one. So John the Baptist gets off the stand and Jesus says, I want to call my, my teaching and my miracles. I want to call the teaching and miracles. Because I want to tell you something. You yourself just saw, you just saw the lame walk. You've heard about me changing water to wine at the wedding in Cana. You've heard about those things. You've seen these things. You've heard me teach. You know that even as, at 12 years old that I was blowing the people away, the religious people away in the temple. You know that. My teaching and my miracles. And you're going to see a lot more of my teaching and miracles. But the second person I want to bring to the stand is my teaching and miracles. And then the third one was God the Father. He called God the Father to the stand starting in verse John verse 5 verse 37 and 38. Verse 37, he said, and the father who sent me has testified about me himself. You have never heard his voice or seen him face to face and do not have his message in your heart because you do not believe me, the one he sent to you. You don't believe me. But the father himself, God's literal voice has revealed who he is. Jesus says God's literal voice has revealed who he is. Well, gosh, is that true? Man, I don't remember that. Did God really do that? Well, of course he did. In Matthew chapter 3, we look in Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 16. Sorry I'm Bible drilling y'all, but it's, it's going to get gooder and gooder in a minute. All right. After his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens were opened up and he saw the Spirit of God descending a dove and setting on him. Here it is. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. But that wouldn't be good enough. He says, well, wait a minute. What about in Matthew chapter 17? You, you know, here it is. Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. In the transfiguration, it says, but even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, here it is. This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. God, the father is on the stand and said, yes, I said that. I said that. 
God's own voice has testified. And then Jesus starts pulling out. You know, in a, in a trial, in a trial, you kind of say the, the last because you want to make the greatest impression on the jury, right? You say the, like you want to wham. And Jesus is getting ready to wham. Because he says this. Even your own scriptures, even your own scriptures testify and point to me. Verses 39 and 40 says this. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to receive this life. The scriptures point to me. And when they said that, when he said that, they would have perked up their ears. But Jesus says, all of those scriptures point to me. And the question I would say is, do they really? Well, yeah, they actually do. All right, y'all, buckle up. Genesis chapter 3 says Messiah was born of a woman, that we'd be born of a woman. Micah chapter 5 says that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, all in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 7 said that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 22 says that the Messiah would come from the line of Abraham. Genesis chapter 17 and chapter 21 says that Messiah would be a descendant of Isaac. Numbers 24 said that Messiah would be a descendant of Jacob. Genesis 49 says... That the Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah. 2 Samuel 7 and Isaiah chapter 9 says that Messiah would be the heir to the king of David's throne. Psalm 45 and Daniel chapter 2 says that Messiah's throne will be anointed and eternal. In Isaiah chapter 7 it says that the Messiah would be called Emmanuel. In Hosea chapter 11 it says that Messiah would, would spend a season in Egypt. In Jeremiah 31 it says that the massacre of children would happen at the Messiah's birthplace. In Isaiah 40, it said a messenger would prepare the way for the Messiah. In Malachi chapter 3, it said that the Messiah would be preceded by a forerunner, meaning John the Baptist. In Psalm 29 in Isaiah 53, the Messiah would be rejected by his own people. In Deuteronomy 18, 15, it said the Messiah would be a prophet. In Malachi 4, it said the Messiah would be preceded by Elijah which is John the Baptist. We've, we've already talked about that. Psalm 2 says that Messiah would be declared the Son of God. Isaiah 11 says that the Messiah would be called a Nazarene. In Isaiah 9, it says Messiah would be, bring great light to Galilee. In Psalm 78 and Isaiah 6, the Messiah would speak in parables. Isaiah 61, the Messiah would be sent to heal the brokenhearted. Psalm 110, the Messiah would be a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Psalm 2 and Zechariah 9, the Messiah would be called king. Zechariah 11, the Messiah would enter Jerusalem on a donkey. Psalm 8, the Messiah would be praised by little children. Psalm 41 and Zechariah 11, the Messiah would be betrayed. Zechariah 11, the Messiah's price money would be used to buy a potter's field, and it was. Psalm 35, Messiah would be falsely accused. Isaiah 53, it says that Messiah would be silent before his accusers. Isaiah 50, the Messiah would be spat upon and struck. Psalm 35 and Psalm 69, the Messiah would be hated without cause. Isaiah 53, the Messiah would be crucified with criminals. Psalm 69, the Messiah would be given vinegar to drink. Psalm 22 and Zechariah 12, the Messiah's hands and feet would be pierced. Psalm 22, the Messiah would be mocked and ridiculed. Psalm 22, soldiers would gamble for the Messiah's garments. Exodus 12 and Psalm 34, the Messiah's bones would not be broken. Psalm 22, 1, Messiah would not be forsaken by God. Well, he would be forsaken by God. Psalm 109, Messiah would pray for his enemies. Zechariah 12, soldiers would pierce the Messiah's side. Isaiah 53, Messiah would be buried by, uh, with the rich. 
Psalm 16 and Psalm 49, the Messiah would resurrect from the dead. Psalm 24, Messiah would ascend to heaven. Psalm 68 and Psalm 110, the Messiah would be seated at the right hand of God. Isaiah 53, Messiah would be a sacrifice for sin. And Daniel chapter 7, Messiah would return a second time. And all of those things have happened. How incredible is that? All of those things, all of those things have happened, except for the last one. Every one of them. He's yet to return. And Jesus says, you have to see that all of your beloved scriptures point to me. Every one of them. And by the way, if that's not enough, I want to call Moses to the stand. Moses, come on up here. Because in verse 45 and 47 of chapter 5, it says, yet it isn't the, uh, it, it isn't the, uh, it, uh, yet it isn't I who will accuse you before the Father. Moses will accuse you. Yes, Moses in whom you put your hopes. If you really believe me, you would believe me because he wrote about me. It's like, wow, did Moses really write about Jesus? Yes, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, that was in one of the lists. Moses continued, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites and you must listen to him. Moses himself spoke about the Messiah. And at that, Jesus rested his case. And that was it. Jesus is who he says he is. He has proven his case time and time and time again. I hope that he has proven it to you. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your holiness and your goodness and your awesomeness, Lord. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much that every aspect of both the Old and New Testament, they point to you. They, they are a huge sign to you. They're a billboard leading to you, God. Everything that you say is true. God, you don't have to prove anything else to us because we believe. My prayer is, is that everyone here would believe and not look for outside things, not look for things that they think are going to be eternal, but they're not. Not look for things that, that fall short, but that look for you. You have proven your case. My prayer is, is that everyone here and those listening online and those in the whole world would believe it. Draw us close to you and let us believe, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and have a final worship song. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.